Thank you. you. may be seated. I want to teach you something before we read scripture, so I'm going to ask you to be seated. If you could get down these one, two, three things that I'm going to say right now, it would transform, I believe, I, I actually I know that it would change the way you read Bible and uh, how to get things out of it. Uh, we still believe that unless somebody teaches me everything, I can't learn. And that's actually true, even when it comes to prayer. That's why they told the Lord, teach us to pray. He teaches prayer. And so that's pretty amazing. Now, I want to talk to you about this. So if you're, if you're writing something down, uh, this, this would be worth it. That means you fellas too, okay? Um, meditate. The word meditate means to reflect upon or to consider, to observe intently, to engage in thought or contemplation. It means to continue thought. Now, every one of those, it seems like there should be something in order to reflect. I've got to have something to reflect. In order to consider, I have to have something to consider. In order to observe intently, I've got to have something that I can observe intently, and so on and so forth. Here's what I want to talk to you about. I, I, I didn't know if you knew completely what that meant or not. You know how we say, uh, read your Bible, uh, study your Bible, and that would be true, Okay. That's not the end. This will help you. It's not maybe it'll help you. If you'll think deeply about this, take this home and just keep looking at it. Intellectual study of the Bible. Intellectual study of the Bible. Its objective is to know and understand. So study is just that. It is to know something and try to understand that something. Okay? You, you, does that make sense? Intellectual. In, intellect. Its objective, when you read the Bible, is meant to know something and to understand something. Just to read it or your eyes. This is why I'm not for you listening to an app. Because you'll find out your eyes are glazing over and your mind is not in gear at all. Most people are not disciplined to do it. They're just not. And so understand, intellectual study of the Bible, its objective is to know and to understand. So in other words, you're just simply learning, trying to understand something, okay? In meditation, this is the important part. In meditation, the main purpose is to appropriate and experience. Meditation, its main objective is to appropriate, appropriate what? What I learned and think I understand now. I'll put these together here in just a moment. Watch this very carefully. The main purpose is to appropriate. That means make it yours and to experience it. Use it in your life. This is it right here. Ready? The value of meditation, which is what we're studying for the next two months, The value of meditation is that it prepares our heart. The value of meditation is that it prepares our heart to pray about the needs 
the word of God revealed to us. I'll say it again. The value of meditation. Meditation, you remember what I just said about it? It is to reflect, reflect. I'm going to reflect on what I read. I'm going to reflect on what I know. I'm going to reflect on what I now think I understand. To consider, hmm, what was that talking about? Who's that talking about? What's that got to do with me? I'm considering. To observe intently. So it's not a flippant, yeah, I read that. No, now I have absorbed some knowledge. Now I have some understanding. What do I do with it? That's a good question. Tell you what you can do. Why don't you quiet yourself down and on purpose think intently about what you just read, what you just found out, what you now have some understanding about. Okay, I understand. What do I do with it now? So now you go to prayer. Listen very carefully. So now in prayer, the value of meditation is that it prepares our heart to pray about the needs that the word of God has revealed to us. So it fits together. If you don't read and try to learn and understand, what are you meditating on? If you're meditating on something, you have, you have to have a play. What are you meditating on? What are you intently concentrating on? So now that I've read my Bible, now I'm going to think about it. I'm going to quiet myself down. I'm just going to put everything out of the way. This is why you can't hurry and read something and go off and do something else. You didn't meditate on anything. In the morning is when you need your quiet time. We call it quiet time. It ought to be a reading to learn and absorb. And then the quiet time is to, when you read your Bible, do you do this? Huh. What was this talking about? God, do you mean that this? It's like you're carrying on conversation. Do you do that or no? You just read because ah, i got to get through my Bible this year. Uh, first of all, that's a great feat. If, if you've finally done that, God bless your heart. That's huge. But it is meant to, when I read, this is a book of information and knowledge. And it will give you understanding. So how does that apply to me? Well, I'll think about it. God, I was reading there about David. And how he repented of his sin and stuff. God, I've tried that before. What? And now you see what you're doing? You're thinking deeply about something you just read, something now you know, something now God has given you understanding on. Now I'm going to go to prayer. Thus, Friday night. Thus, Saturday. You don't need a list. What you need is some meditation. Okay, ready? Uh, we're all supposed to be on the same page, no pun intended, in our Bibles. What did you get out of it? What did you apply to your life? You're going to work. You've got an app open. You're eating a jelly donut, watching your coffee so it doesn't fall, and you're telling people, I read my Bible. No, you looked at your Bible. Your eyes scanned your Bible. It is to get knowledge and understanding, but it doesn't stop there. It's not just to learn Bible. I learn Bible to figure out, God, what do you want me to do with this now to my life? So now I think about it deeply. I'm thinking it's called meditation. Consider intently, deeply about what God's word just taught me. What do I do with this? So now I go to prayer and I'm asking God, the teacher of prayer. God, I was reading this, 
and I ran into this verse, and I, I'm not sure. When you're reading your Bible, before you start, do you ever ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand? You know, he is the author of the Bible. You're trying to figure it out on your own, aren't you? We spend so much time in the world and around worldly stuff, it's hard for us not to try to decipher the Bible with what we know. No, you go to the Bible like you don't know anything and let God teach you something. It's the same problem we have in school, in the military, and on the job. Look, I know what I'm doing, so you don't want to learn anything. You're not listening to anybody, and that's a terrible way to not learn. And so meditation, it's, it's not a word people use much anymore. That's not meditation. Uh, you know, what? Their, their meditation is all about themselves. How do I calm me down? How do I face the world? How do I do this? How do I do it? It's all about the. That's not what we're talking about. God's word is about you for others. It sounds very selfish, but until you learn, you really can't help somebody else. So God said, okay, well, let's read. Let's get some knowledge. Let's have some understanding. Now we'll go to prayer, and the Holy Spirit of God will take what you read and that knowledge and that understanding and talk to you about you and what do you do with this. Isn't that good? I sat at my desk today and kept thinking, man, that's really good. I wish I'd have thought about that. It's not original. Uh, but it's amazing what you do when you read the right books, what yeah. God can teach you. Yeah. I don't just read the Bible. I do a lot. I, now I'm finding myself with this other Bible reading. See, I accept this. I could go like this. I read enough Bible the way it is. I could do that. But where's your example setting, soldier? You take care of you. When will you step up to that next level and go like this? You know something? I think I'll try to help other people to do this also. That's why I'm going to do it. I read a lot. So now I find out that just my morning reading, it's somewhere around 6 to 12 chapters just to get started in the morning. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Maybe you do more than that. But I know this, you cannot speed read the Bible. You cannot let your eyes skim over top of it. You're looking at the Bible. You're not reading the Bible, and you're certainly not studying the Bible. So when you go to prayer, you go, preacher, I just don't know what to pray about. You're not reading. And when you do, you're not calming down to meditate. God, what is this? how does this work? How does that apply to me? What should I do with this? That is the great thing that God wants to teach you. Okay, so I, I won't get through this whole lesson, but I want to get to this first part of this. Turn to John chapter number four. Good to have you with us tonight uh, for the next uh, seven or eight weeks on a Thursday night. I'm going to be teaching you a lot about prayer. And then don't forget about our 10-minute prayer time uh, before every Sunday night service, fellas, over here in my room. And uh, then also, uh, what else? We're praying something. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, tomorrow night and also on Saturday. Fellas, our time's at 6 o'clock, not 7 o'clock. Ladies, your time is at 7 o'clock, not 6 o'clock. John, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter number 4, please, if you'll turn there. I want to read verses 7 through 24. You can remain seated. Uh, and so I, I hope you got that. When I Look, a lot of things in life, you may not be able to quote scripture, but if you can remember a phrase, if you can remember a principle, if you can remember a line, uh, for example, here's I, I live by principles uh, based upon truth. Uh, principle that's not based upon truth isn't a good principle. And so I like uh, when you're pressured to do something, don't. I can show you throughout the Bible why that's a dumb thing to do is to move because you feel pressured. 
Abraham did that when things got a little tough. I, I think we need to go down to Egypt and figure out what's going on. And a bad move, Abraham. Bad right. move, Abraham. And on and on. So if God is leading and guiding, why do you have to hurry and do anything? Right. What is the big pressure? Could be just you. Could be the devil trying to lead you in the wrong direction. So these, I try to live by these principles. So when you read your Bible or you read a book, grab onto a print, make it yours. So that when you're facing a time, you go like this, nope, I don't do that because, why not? My wife and I, we used to do this to our kids all the time. I'd just be driving down the road and we'll talking or I'll see something. I go, you know, that reminds me. And almost inevitably, this so like this, another spiritual principle coming on. And at first I thought, they're trying to shame me. And they were like, yes, yes, I am. Be quiet and listen. And so I did, it's a teaching time, right? Teaching your children not just to be good, but be godly. How can we do that? Learn how God responds and acts. Okay? And so teach your children these things. Uh, John chapter number 4, and starting in verse number 7. Okay? You, you stay seated. I'll read. You know this story. Then... Cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me drink, give me to drink. Uh, for his disciples. Now, this is amazing. I just caught this the other day. Uh, first of all, they used to avoid Samaria altogether. All right? And Jesus sitting at a well talking to one person about water. His disciples go into that same city to buy groceries. I thought you didn't have any dealings with these people. The Jews didn't have dealings with the Samaritans. But the Samaritans would deal with anybody. And so they went in to buy meat. We don't hear much more after that. So they're in there uh, talking and moving around and doing what they have to. Jesus is talking to one woman. And we make a big deal about the Samaritans and the Jews. Jesus is talking to one. We just sent in 12 disciples into a city that most people pass by to begin with. And they're buying groceries. I, I just, things like that fascinate me. Uh, you, you read the Bible so much, you go, yeah, yeah, I know the story. I've read that story thousands of times. And the other day I thought, wait a minute. we got all these guys going in the city, and they come out and ask Jesus, what are you, what are you doing talking to this woman here? I mean, what's going on? <laughs> you mean, you, what would you do, steal everything and not talk to anybody? You talk to somebody. And so watch very carefully. Okay, I'm sorry, I keep interrupting me. Uh, and so verse number eight. For the disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask me of drink, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And, G and Jesus, ans Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, he's talking about himself, who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, he's talking about himself, and he would have given thee living water. Now she's interested. Now watch what she says. And the woman said unto him, Sir, uh, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is very deep. She had no idea how deep the well was of the person talking to her. There is no end to that well. Is this, is this the way you read your Bible? You say, yeah, but you're a preacher. You're a Christian. And so he says, from, uh, from whence thou hast this living water. Uh, and then she says that now she's going to compare him to another person. And she says, art thou... Uh, that, art thou greater than our father Jacob? Yes, sweetheart, I am. She didn't know that. Had no idea. Which gave us this well. Said, Let me just tell you a little bit about his credentials. Uh, he gave us this well, and he drank from it himself and his children and his cattle. It's something else that always bothers me, too. When Jesus talks about his children, he also includes cattle. 
your children and cattle. And all the kids drank from this and the cattle. What, what's up with cattle? Can anybody help me with that? I, honestly, I don't know. But when you read in the Bible, a lot of times when it refers to his children, it also refers to their cattle. And I understand the economics of it, but did you, why even mention that when you're talking about spiritual life here and you're talking about this woman and her cattle or the children of God and their cattle? I just thought that was amazing. Anyway, I interrupted me again, didn't I? Now, uh, go to verse 13. And Jesus said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. And whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him, in him, in him, a well of water springing up to everlasting life. She's still not getting it. Sir, give it to me. Here's her motive. That I thirst not, neither come. I'm tired of coming here. I'm here in the middle of the daytime. It's about noontime. It's hot as all get out. Yeah, I'd like to not come here. She's not getting it, all right? Uh, sometimes people that are trying to teach uh, in Ecclesiastes, in one of the last verses in one of the chapters, talks about how that wisdom is a curse. And for the longest time, I kept thinking, huh? Wisdom's a good thing, right? Well, if you happen to know a lot of things that can help people and they just don't get it, then you wonder, why did God show that to me? Why did I get it? And nobody else can seem to get it. You get it? Okay. So, that's funny, right? Okay. Now, watch what he says here. And, um, sir, give it to me. So, verse 16. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and cometh hither. And the woman said to her, I have no husband. She's telling the truth. But watch what's behind this. Jesus said to her, "Thou, what thou say is, is true, you have no husband. Verse 18, for thou hast had five husbands, and now she's with a guy she's not married to. So it's true, she doesn't have a husband, but she's had five husbands, and now she's living with a man. And uh, that thou sayest truly, the woman said to her, okay, let me get this right. I finally revealed your life, and you think I'm a prophet all of a sudden. Like I'm really the son of God or somebody really special because I know what's been going on in your life. You ever sat in a church service, and that's what happens? You're staring at the preacher with a blank look, hoping he can't read you. You look like a zombie, right? He's, there's no expression except the wide-eyed, like, if I open my eyes big enough, he, he won't know anything's wrong. Right? That's what we do? Okay. So she's sitting here, and they're carrying on this conversation about water and about Jacob's well and about a fountain, and she's not getting it. And all of a sudden, he goes, look, you've been married five times, and God, you're a prophet, aren't you? Right? So watch what's happened here. And our fathers worshipped in this mountain. Now, here's where things begin to change about prayer. Our fathers, now this is, this is her talking, worshipped in this mountain. And you say in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. First of all, he never said that. Jesus said unto her, woman. I always like that. Woman. So some of you fellows, I'll tell you why. Woman. Um, it's in the Bible. I just read it. Woman, believe me. <laughs> Maybe that's what you ought to do. <laughs> the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain. And when the Bible talks about mountains a lot of times, it's not just talking about a literal mountain. It's talking about a city or a kingdom. Okay? And so uh, here he says, uh, neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, now he's talking about the Samaritans. Ye worship, ye know not what. We worship, talking about the Jews. Uh, we, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. They knew that. He said, look, you're worshiping. You don't even know what you're doing. 
We're worshiping, and we know what we're doing, but watch what Jesus says, verse 23. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Please help me to help your people with a few moments I got left. Dear Lord, it's not the amount all the time that is talked about or preached. It is a truth. Did I get a truth? Did I get something God wanted from me? Can, can I go away from here and, and be stronger or better or be used more because of something I heard that God pointed out to me? And then, Lord, help us, please, to not be so quick to walk away and forget what we heard. Help us to learn the art of meditation of quietening ourselves down, not just having it quiet, not putting on earphones of music, not watching something and saying we're really not paying attention, though that does happen. This is purposeful thinking about you and your word. Help me please tonight to help your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, listen very carefully here. In verse 23 and 24, I'm switching. You ready? In verse 23 and 24, he said, but the hour cometh and now is. Now, we just went through this whole uh, reading here, and now we come down to what he was really after. And what he's really after is in verse 23 and 24. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Why? For or because the Father seeketh such to worship him. Verse 25, 24. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, the words of the Lord to this Samaritan is actually the first reference uh, or record teaching of Jesus teaching on the subject of prayer. So this has got to be pretty important. It's the principle of first mission uh, mentioned in the Bible. That's why Genesis is so important. This passage gives us a lot of insight on prayer. Now, you may not have caught that, but watch. Number one. In verse 23, the second part, the father seeks worship. Now, to me, I'm thinking, why does he have to look for it? I would think everybody would worship the Lord. Now, that's me. But what happens is the father said, I'm seeking such to worship me. But not just anybody. Because we're going to find out some people worship God ignorantly. Some people worship God with just intelligence, and then there are the true worshipers, and God tells us who those people are. So here's the first thing he does here. He seeks anyone to worship him. I, I don't understand why God Almighty, who created everything, has to search for people to worship him, to honor him, to sing to him, to give their lives to him. It's just, if you stop and think about it, it's pretty amazing that that has to help happen at all. But it also shows that the Father delights in himself being worshipped. I'm seeking people to worship me. I'm seeking worship. But I have to seek it, which didn't make any sense. But it tells us that he's, he's searching for people, and he's saying, this is what I like. And so that ought to involve us in this whole thing to want to do what God wants to do. But sadly, evidently, not many can be found. And I think less and less all the time. There seems to be a whole lot of worship going on. Yeah. Yeah, on. But he's going to talk here about three types of worship, and only one of them is what he's searching for. So pay attention if we don't get beyond this. This is going to be very, very important. So first of all, there's the ignorant worship. Look in verse number 22, the first part. Ye worship that which you know not. I think you call that ignorance. 
you are, you are following through on something, you don't even understand what you're doing. It kind of reminds me of when Paul was there in, in um, uh, Athens, and he's walking up that hill there, and he's getting ready to make a speech to all these people and stuff, and he sees all these statues on either side and all these deities, false deities that people are worshiping. They're worshiping, you understand? They're worshiping all of this stuff. And then he sees one to the unknown God. And they actually had one there, and they're worshiping that. Now, that's about as ignorant as you can be. What they were doing is saying, we want to make sure we hit all the bases. We want to make sure we don't miss anything. And Paul was just amazed by their superstition that they would actually have all these deeds from everywhere. They lived to hear and know anything that's new. That's why they wanted to listen to Paul at first. Because he was preaching something they never heard for, resurrection. Resurrection from the dead? Yeah, we need to hear this guy. So they were going to allow him to do this. So walking up here, he's looking back and forth, and he's looking at all this. When he gets up there, he said, I believe, I perceive that you are way too superstitious. You see that statue over there? Down there says unknown. That's the real God. What he's saying is you don't know him, and you're worshiping every God you can possibly find. That's called ignorant worship, if you would. He said, you know not. As unsafe, it says, it's as ignorant as unsaved people praying to the Father in heaven. That's just ignorant because he, he, he's not, look at me, he's not obligated to answer a sinner's prayer for anything but salvation. So when you say to lost people, well, you know, this fellow that got hurt on the football field. Listen to commentators. Commentators as dumb as that drywall on that wall right there. Well, one guy says, uh, well, pray or whatever you do to get a hold of whoever you think you have to. And I'm thinking, what an ignorant statement. But in our world, isn't that, oh, they want everybody's help. There's only one person that can get a hold of God, and that's God's child. That's God's children. Okay, I'm going to tell the people next door I'm coming over for dinner, and they need to start supporting me. I'm not a part of their family. They don't have to do that. If they choose to, that would be nice. But they don't have to. I'm not a part of the family. If you're not born again, you're not God's child. The world doesn't like to hear that. So uh, that's why I tell them. As unsaved, praying in the will of God, or religious people going about a form and a fashion in their church, they really are worshiping a God they don't know anything about. They don't know anything about his character. They don't know anything about his process. They don't know anything about his truth. And yet they will tell you, okay, you see all these masses of kids listening to rock and roll and they're all worshiping the Lord. No, they're not. They are not. We'll get to that in here in a minute. So first of all, you had the ignorant worshiper. Look at verse 22, the second part there. Now you have the intellect worshiper or the intellectual worshiper. We, he's talking about the Jews, know what we worship. don't read into that. All they're saying is, we know about him. For salvation is of the Jews. The Jews had all knowledge, and they had true knowledge of God. They had it. The Bible teaches to the Jew first, and then to the... So they had Moses first. They had the law first. They had the prophets first. Jesus came to them first. They had the Old Testament first. They got the New Testament first. They had everything first. They were fully aware in knowledge about Jesus. Whether they believed it or not, they knew. Okay? And so what happens here is that many born-again people know who God is, and many know a lot of things about God, and they pray and worship based mainly upon their knowledge of Bible. 
Just their knowledge. They have no real relationship. This thing about meditation, you, you really want to know whether you're really saved or not. You really want to know if God can talk to you or not. Read Bible, asking God to help you. Then calm yourself down. You say, for how long? See, that's our idea. You know, can I just get the answer and, and go on? No. No, you can't. You need to calm down. Be still and know that I am God, not you. In all thy ways acknowledge me. I'll, I'll direct your path. I got this thing still. I'm not out of control. You are, but I'm not. So when you think about God this way, you come to find out a lot of people, you can quote scripture. You can find it in, I wish Ben was in here, and tell you about the books of the Bible. Uh, don't listen to Ben. Ben's, Ben's whacked out. So anyway, um, what you have here, many born-again people know who God is and many things about God, but their worship is based mainly on their knowledge of facts and things they read in the Bible. This worship, Jesus himself in verse number 23, now you have the spiritual worship. Now this is where you need to learn. You have the, so you have, you have the ignorant worshiper. You have the intelligent worshiper. When I say intelligent, I, I mean just facts. Okay, they, they have intellect. And then you have those, the spiritual worship. This worship in verse number 23, look at it if you would please. But the hour cometh and now is that the, there it is, true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So in other words, there is a way God wants to be worshiped. And other than that, it's not. It can be ignorant. It can be knowledgeable. But God said, I'll tell you what, I'm actually searching for people like this. I am searching for people that will worship me in two areas, spirit and truth. Now think about all the worship that they talk about, worship services. and We're having a big worship get-together, and we're all going to get together and have worship together. And you hear that. that word. Can, I, can I help you with something I learned a long time ago? Anytime the... I use this as loosely as I can. Christian religious world starts using a, a certain phrase a lot. Just stay away from it. I'll guarantee you more times than not you'll be right. It will prove itself. Uh, Baptist people don't use the word anointed a lot. Charismatics do. Oh, I have the anointing. And God was anointing me. You keep hearing that. Something's wrong. I just guarantee you something. You say it's a Bible word. I didn't say it wasn't a Bible word. It's just like saying the, the Spirit, watch the Spirit in all of His glory work. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I read in the Bible where He said He'll not speak of Himself. So if you listen, anytime churches on a whole, I'm using this very loosely, start heading in a certain direction altogether, something's wrong. Right. It's got to be wrong. Right. You say, how do you know that? I don't know, 50 years of watching it just tells me that I'm right about them being wrong. Yeah. So... And if you're right, you don't left. And if you're left, you can't be right, right? Amen. Okay, there you go. All right, you'll get that one these days. So here's what happens here is this. From the connection with the uh, aforementioned worship, the ignorant and the intelligent, he said here, in spirit and in truth, it does not just mean earnestness. When I first got saved, my heart turned towards my mom and my sisters, and I remember talking to my brother, and I said, Bill, I, I know they're Seventh-day Adventists, or they're trying to act like it, but they really mean and believe what they're doing. Certainly, God will take that into account. Maybe you think of some of your relatives that way. My brother, you know what he said? If they don't get saved, they'll go straight to hell. I thought, well, that doesn't sound right. 
They're sincere. They, they really mean what they're doing. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Spirit and in, what's the next word? Truth. Um, you remember Elijah on top of Mount Carmel. It doesn't take you long to watch the false worshipers and how sincere they were. I mean, you're pretty sincere when you start cutting yourself till the blood's gushing out. And there you are in a prayer meeting and a worship meeting from early in the morning to almost in the afternoon. I mean, that's a pretty good worship service. And guess what the real preacher was doing? Making fun of them. See, we just can't hardly stomach that kind of oh, preacher, I don't know if you should be doing that. Then I suggest when you build your church, don't do that. So, But Elijah, uh, these worshipers of Baal, they're very sincere and very devoted, but they were wrong. There was no truth and right spirit in them. The Samaritans had success. They, they, they actually believed the five books of Moses. And I'm assuming that in there, because when we read our Bible, there were other Samaritans that really did try to follow the law of Moses and do what's right. So it's not like they were ignorant of a lot of things. They did have some knowledge of God, but there was doubtless among them some who were honest and earnest about worshiping God. It's not your earnestness. It's not the way you feel. It's not, well, I just think. God said, I am searching for those in in truth and in spirit, spirit and truth, and I'm searching for them. Why does God have to search? We're all saved. That, That should settle it right there, right? That should settle it right there, right? So the Samaritans had access to the five books of Moses and the knowledge of God. The Jews had the true, full revelation of God to that point. They had the scrolls. They had Moses. They had the prophets. Everything that God could afford for mankind to learn about him and worship him and serve him, the Jews had it. So they had all this knowledge, and we know what happened there. With all that knowledge, did they as a whole receive Christ as Savior? No, they didn't. They still haven't. So that knowledge thing is not the all-inclusive thing, and it's not just how sincere you are. Because I'm going to assume in both of these categories, there were sincere people doing the best they could with what they had and what they knew. Folks, you don't go to heaven because you don't really know the truth, and it's not your fault. You're condemned already. And so watch what he says here. He said, in spirit and in truth. So the Jews had all this, but God quantifies this and says, look, you know what you serve. They're ignorant of what they worship, and they're ignorant of what they worship. But the true worshipers that I'm looking for, God said, two things qualify, spirit and in truth. Jesus said in verse 23, the hour is coming and now is. It is only in and through Christ First of all, if you're not saved, it is impossible for you to serve and worship God at all in prayer, in a a rock and roll meeting, anything. If you're standing up here right now singing and crying, look, I've watched Tammy Why Not and Furline Husky and all the rest of those hillbillies trying to sing to the Lord, and they're crying, right? Oh, make Dolly Parton. I think she's a born-again Christian. Oh, boy, Really? And so you hear all this. I heard a testimony one time. Look, I heard Donald Trump was saved. He cusses like two sailors. He's about as prideful a man as I've ever met for in my life. If he's saved, he's got a lot to answer for when he meets God. But I've known some people in church the same way. I would say this church, but I'm I'm preaching right now, so I won't do that. (laughs) Jesus said in verse 23, the hour is coming and now is. 
among Christians today, we still find these three classes of worship that God talks about. You have to understand, the Bible doesn't change. When God wrote the Bible, he looked through everything in time and said, this is what's needed. It never needs to change. Yeah, but our world has changed. Well, thank the Lord his Bible doesn't have to. God took in every situation, everything you'll face, everything that little pygmies in Africa go and go through, people in New Zealand that we don't even know where on the map that is anymore. And so we have all of this stuff going on, and God said, thought about it all. Thought about Adam and what he's going to go through. See, we read the Bible and go, what's that got to do with me? Do you know there are other people in the world besides yeah. Americans? Yeah, I know it's weird, but there really are. But we read the Bible like... But what do I care about all that? Well, somebody in the world, that means everything to them. And God thought about that. And God also thought about you. Some in modern-day Christianity, if you would, please, who in their ignorance hardly know what to ask for when they pray. We are under this guise that we're still like little children. No matter what we say to the Lord, that's what he wants. He just wants to hear us pray. Well, that's true. But God specifically said... But I'm searching. I'm searching for something specific. I am searching for those who will worship me in spirit and in truth. Yet they receive very little. They don't understand why. They get very frustrated. Preacher, I prayed and prayed and prayed. Well, first of all, do you know any Bible to base that prayer on? Number two, did you meditate and find out, God, I'm claiming that truth. How's that truth affect you? What did God point that out for you for? See, here's what we want. God, take all my troubles away. Give me what I need. How come I have to suffer? This is not a genie in a bottle. I was telling somebody the other day, and it's still, what, here's a principle. Ready? God is more concerned about your character than your comfort. Every Christian, no matter what you go through, we flip it around. We're more concerned about our comfort, what we like and don't like, than we are learning the things God wants us to learn. I can prove that throughout the Bible and in people's lives today. So other people who have a more correct knowledge, some in ignorance, they they pray. They don't even know what they're asking for. It's very selfish, on and on and on. It's coming from a heart of really caring. Other people have a correct knowledge who try to pray with all their mind and all their heart. And their prayers are very earnest, very meaningful. Yet they do not attain the full blessing of the worship in spirit and in truth. Perhaps this is why we don't pray the way we should. We're not getting any answers to prayer. I mean, why would you keep going someplace that's not benefiting you at all? Why would you keep talking to someone who doesn't ever seem to answer? The problem isn't on his part. He said, I'm searching. Boy, if that's you, I'm there. I'm looking, I'm looking for you. If, it's in, if you're coming to me in truth and spirit, I'm looking for you. I want you to worship me. So God's looking for you. And so it is this third class of worshipers we must learn to be. If that's what God's looking for, that's what I want to be. I want to be what God is looking for. Amen? Okay, you don't? Okay, I thought you did. We must ask Jesus, ready? Teach us to pray. You don't automatically know how to pray. And then most of us have left off teaching our children with still children's prayers. Somewhere along the line, we got real busy after that, especially if you've had two or three kids. The first one you were really engaged with. You took a 1,000 pictures. You taught them how to pray, how to fold their hands like Shirley Temple. I mean, you did the whole nine yards. By the time you got to the third one or the second one, it's like the kid's going, don't I have a baby book? Did you take any pictures of me? I got too busy for that. You'll be all right. Take some pictures of yourself. And this is kind of what we do. We did the same thing with prayer. 
We did the same thing with sacrificial giving. You may have taught them how to give tithes and offerings, and you forgot to teach anything more than that. You may have taught them, now I lay me down to sleep, tuck my feet beneath my sheet, that kind of thing. We may have done that. Or now thank you for this oatmeal. Amen. You ought to hear our granddaughters pray. It's the funniest thing. At times it's like this, I don't want to pray. And other times, like, they're praying for weird stuff, you know, and you can't figure it out. Go, where'd that come from? Do you know what's happening? We're letting them pray because we say God always honors prayer. But God is looking for a certain type of people to pray. Doesn't that interest you? If God is searching for this, I want to be that. Right? And so watch what happens here. And so he simply says, who worship the Father in spirit and truth. He is seeking those people. Uh, let, let me just get to this first point here. God is a spirit. The Bible says so. All right? So it would make sense. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit, right? And truth. God does not talk to you here. That would be spirit with flesh. God talks spirit. So when you got saved, the Holy Spirit quickened or awakened or brought back to life your dead spirit because of Adam and Eve. Now God can communicate with you not with angels on the bedposts. Not with light as you are passing out of this world. Folks, can I get something established? You may have medically been dead 500 times. But you died, died one time. When you're dead, you ain't coming back. You didn't go to hell and God said, I need a witness back on that world. Why do we believe such idiotic stuff? He said, well, they're very sincere. We just talked about Mount Carmel. You can't get any more sincere than that. And they were sincerely wrong. Catholics are sincerely wrong. Mormons are sincerely wrong. A lot of Baptists are sincerely wrong. We you shake your head? Yeah, yeah, that's us. Okay. So, there must be a harmony between God and us. And God said, I'll tell you where that harmony starts. My spirit and your spirit. Spirit to spirit. I am searching for those in spirit and in truth. Not just one or the other. Spirit and conjunction, truth, both of those. So you have people that think they're really in touch with God because they're sincere and they cry and they're pouring out their heart. Okay, let's assume you have the right spirit. It's not based on truth. Something's wrong. If it's all about truth, that's all knowledge, but you're not in tune with God. God said, I'm looking, and he specifically said for two things in a person's life. God is a spirit. If a man will worship God, man's spirit must have the capacity to receive what God is talking about. Thus, you must be born again, and thus, you must not hinder God. By the way, uh, when you get a bad attitude, do you know what attitude is to a large degree? The spirit of man. Take any sport you want to. Except soccer. I'm not sure that's a real sport. But anyway. And you, here's what they used to say. They don't go like this. Boy, he has spirit. They don't do that. Okay. Uh, they go like this. Man, guy's got a bad attitude. Do you know why? It's interchangeable. It's one the same. So when you sit in church service, go like, I don't care what he has to say. I'm not having a good time. And you say, he thinks I have a bad spirit. You do. And your attitude shows that you have a bad spirit. Now, what in the world does that matter? Because God talks with us and communicates spirit with spirit. So when I have a spirit, I basically just threw up a roadblock and said, you're not talking to me right now. So God said, if we're going to communicate, 
you have to have the capacity to hear me, to talk with me, to communicate with me. So you need to please listen. Any Christian who would truly worship God and would find and know and possess and enjoy God must be in harmony with him. Now, that makes sense, doesn't it? How can two walk together unless they be agreed? That, that's, that's with God, too. Enoch was walking along with God. I like that little story that girl said. Uh, she said Mommy asked, said, what did you learn in church? So I learned about uh, this guy that was walking along with God, and they got so far away from home, God said, well, we're too far for you to go back. Why don't you just go home with me? Talk about Enoch. You don't know about Enoch? Okay, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> because God is a spirit, if we are truly to worship him, it must be accompanied or accomplished Spirit with spirit. If I'm not saved, my spirit is not awakened. Second Corinthians, I cannot discern the deep things of God. I can't. It's impossible. If I'm saved and I'm very carnal and don't care if God talks to me, I don't care if you're praying or not. God's looking for those in spirit and in truth. So this thing about prayer is a lot more important than maybe we think that it is. This is why there is no such thing as worship service. This is why there's no such thing as we come to church for worship. Look, okay, here's another one of those words that everybody... It used to be Sunday school. It used to be morning preaching. Now it's a worship service. You know why? That's more acceptable to the world. And besides that, that's what we're doing. I didn't know he said, if you're going to worship me, you worship me in dance and singing. Are you offended by that, Baptist people? I'll tell you why you're offended, because you're listening to wrong doctrine and teaching. And it's sweeping around the world, and we think, well, that's kind of what everybody's doing. I don't, oh, this sounds terrible. I really don't care what other people do. Honestly, I really don't. Look, if you don't get that kind of attitude, you're going to fall for something sooner or later. Remember the old adage, if a man won't stand for something, he'll fall for anything? We remember these cute little sayings. We're just not doing them. And so here's what we find out here. This, this is not done in, in built. You can't. A true worship is not done in a building or a place. He says so. Look in, in John chapter 4. Look at verse number 20. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. It's talking about this place. They worshiped here. And ye say, Jerusalem, So, oh no, it's that place. No, it's this place. No, our fathers worshipped here. Your fathers worshipped there. And Jesus said, okay, it has to be one or the other. No, he didn't. You know what he said? Neither place. Watch what he says. Look at verse 21. Jesus said, woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither, uh, when, when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet either place. Huh? You're not going to worship the Father. Then where are we supposed to worship him at? Spirit and truth. You, not this. We don't have worship services. Now, to be honest with with you, I'm preaching right now. I have to be honest. (laughs) Worship, prayer, if you would, is spiritual as God is spiritual. It is a spiritual thing. It's not just a dutiful thing. It's not just a, well, we have to thing. It's, well, we'll not get anything from God if we don't pray. It is a spiritual thing. And God said, I'm looking for spiritual and truthful. That's what I'm looking for when it comes towards me. Most Christians, our Christianity is confined to certain times and certain places. 
When's the last time you saw a charismatic speaking in tongues down here at Broadenhag? When's the last time you saw a worship service, just five or six people out on the corner, just having a great time in Jesus? Because it's confined to a place, and Baptists are falling for the same thing. We have to get to this place before God will hear or pay attention to us. You do have to be, he said, a symbol. But we're talking about worship here. And so what we find out here, the Christian who seeks to pray earnestly in church or his closet, let's be honest, we have spent way too much time out in the world. And so therefore, we are actually at a variance with the Spirit of God trying to talk to us because of all of this garbage that's been going on that's come in the eye gate and the ear gate and the feeling gate and the back gate and side gate and whatever else gate's out there somewhere. We have all this going on. We think we can just come in here and just turn ourselves loose and start praying. You're going to find out tomorrow night it's not that easy. You'll actually wonder, what am I going to say? What, what, what do I pray about? Preacher didn't give us any subjects. What I noticed in the past years Everybody that prayed, and it was my fault. I, I said, let's stick with these. So you actually read and prayed right down the line. And you were very sincere about it. It is a private meeting, spiritual, with truth. There's probably not a more sincere, truer prayer than when you're completely broken and can't even form right words in your mouth. But even at that, a lot of times it's feeling sorry for ourselves, self-pity, problems we got ourselves into. I think the brokenness is good. But how many times did you pray and you were suffering through something and didn't change a thing? Let me get this right. God is searching for spirit and truth. And I believe I went to him in spirit and truth. And he didn't talk to me. He didn't change me. He didn't change anything. Then what's up with that? Because the Bible said, you ask, you'll receive. You knock, it'll be open. Is that, isn't that what he said? So what's going on here? Because it starts off with the first mention that God talks about, or Jesus does about prayer, is here in this passage. And the first thing he talks about are those two things. If you're going to worship me, if you're going to come to me, if we're going to do this thing together, I'm searching for spirit and truth. If you're not born again, God's not answering your prayer. He's not He can, but he's not obligated. No place in the Bible does it say he will. You call out to him about salvation, he's right there. But that's a part of his will. No place does he say he'll answer a sinner's prayer or a religious person's prayer or a Baptist's prayer. But he will answer his child. He does say, I will answer. So we just we pick and choose what scriptures we want to use. They all have to go together. And the first mention Jesus himself talks about is right here in this passage in the New Testament. So I want you to go to, and we'll quit right here. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. Worship for God now, if we hopefully we'll understand this as we go on in our study, is not at a place or at a certain time. We're doing the same thing with soul winning, right? 
We go soul winning at this time. No, you are soul winners. You don't pray at a certain place. Men ought always pray. Right. Right? Is that what it said? Yeah, but I'm not at church. Okay, then kneel down on the corner and pray. However, if you're doing it to be seen of men, take a break. No good. See, there are conditions to our relationship with God. And one of the very first ones is God said, you need to have the right spirit so you can have the capacity to hear me and communicate with me, and you're going to have to do it right according to truth. All right? So look, if you would, my spirit must not try to line up with his. This is what we're doing. I'm trying to force my life to line up with him. That's why people hate fundamentalism. How do I have to do that? Why do I have to do that? Why do I have to do this? Do you know the law was not written for a righteous man? The Bible says that. The law is not written for a righteous man. If you'd quit living, okay, you ready? This, this edge, that's the world, and that is all the blessings of God. Here's where most Christians live. I'm doing okay. I haven't fallen yet. This is where most Christians live. I'm talking about church people. Why can't I do that? I don't see anything wrong with that. Can I ask you to do something? The law, the Bible says, is for the liar and the thief and the murderer. That's what, that's what law is for. When somebody transgress, steps in across God's law. Why don't you just do this? Why don't you quit living there all the time? You're not enjoying it. Yet you think you're getting more freedom if you can get away from this. No, if you're a born-again Christian, this is really where your life is meant to be. And this is the big payoff over here, even in this world. This. You see the preacher look at us? I don't know why my mom and dad says that. How come we're not allowed to do this anymore? I think I look good in skin-tight pants. And that's the guys. Skinny jeans. That's the dumbest thing. Even the name sounds funny. I must admit, Americans are not skinny anymore. I went to go buy a white shirt the other day, and now everything is for, uh, what do they call it, slim. Everything's slim. They can't be selling that many clothes. There's no way in the world. Skinny jeans, okay, and you you thin guys, yeah, I I saw you, socks. It's like, honey, tell about you. There you go. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. Are you there? 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. Go down to verse number 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by his what? Spirit and truth. See, spirit again. His spirit, our spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things. See, when you give yourself to reading and then you meditate on that, the spirit of God says, I can talk to you now. I got truth. He's the author of truth, right? He's the author of the Bible. Holy man of God, as, as the Spirit gave them. Okay, so now I have the Holy Spirit who knows this book better than anybody. Why don't you ask him to teach you something? Then I yield my spirit because I want God to communicate. Now I'm going to think deeply about, what's it? God, you're talking to me, aren't you? So is this something I should be making an adjustment to? Here's what we do. I don't know anybody else that does. God's not talking to everybody. He's talking to you. The Bible is written to you. And God said, I'd love to communicate with you. But you haven't afforded yourself in that a position for me to do that. So watch what he says here. Watch what he says. Look at verse number uh, 10. He said, for the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit? As small as I, my spirit, I know me better than anybody. 
And God said, okay, I'll, I'll tell you this too. The Spirit knows God better than anybody. Well, watch what it says here. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. God said, I, the Spirit says, I know God. Do you know who you have inside of you if you're saved? Amen. The Spirit of God. Amen. All I got to do is get me out of the way. That is not me lining myself up with God. That is letting God, by truth, have his way with me. Well, I guess I have to do this. And well, if I don't do that, you hate Christianity. There's no way you can like Christianity. Feel as though you're being shackled and beat every time you come to church or your mom won't let you have freedom. You mean freedom to sin? Is that what you're after, freedom to sin? Freedom to go out in the world and ruin your life. Don't you remember what that's like? A lot of you older Christians in here, you ought to quit gazing at the world. That's what almost destroyed your life when you came here. But we've lost contact with our Father. And God said, first of all, you've got to be saved or your spirit's dead. There's nothing I can help you with. So I'm going to yield to him, and then I'm going to yield my spirit. Spirit, and ma'am, listen to me, he said. It's not here in Samaria, and it's not, it's not a place anymore. I'm looking for people, a person, spirit and truth. Amen. Somebody I can communicate spirit to spirit. Somebody that when I'm talking to them, they know I'm talking to them. And then, in truth, they want to yield to that prayer. It's not now I lay me down to sleep. It's not. Well, I've been praying enough. Okay, if you pray and pray and pray and you're not hitting pay dirt, it doesn't, God's not talking to you. Nothing's changing. You ever think maybe it's you? Maybe it's the church I'm going to. Yeah, there you go. That's the way you do it. That's what your kids are going to say someday. Maybe it's the house I'm living in. And then you're going to argue your point. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. This thing about prayer, which we talk a lot about and probably do the least amount about, is the most important thing Amen. that we could possibly do. This and this. Sounds simple. That's why there's the big fight not to do either one. Because it is the most spiritual thing. Spirit, truth. Spirit and truth. This is why it's so hard for you to read your Bible. That's why there's all of this argument going off in front of you. All of this stuff running interference. Well, I have to work. I have to get up in the morning. Anybody else in here have to get up in the morning? I think everybody gets up in the morning, don't they? If you have to get up by 8 or 9, oh, come on i got to get up at 8 o'clock and go to work. 8 o'clock? I don't even go to work and I get up at 6. That's supposed to be funny. Anyway, till you get serious about you and God, you and God are never going to get serious. You can play church all you want to, and you're going to become more and more frustrated all the time because it's not working. And God said, I'm not asking you to search for me. I'm searching for you, spirit and truth. Father, thank you. Lord, help us, please. To